0: What's happening? It is Monday, October 10th. It's Unleashed with me, John Lund, various sports talk episode 19. Good news. The 49ers were the only NFC West team to win on Sunday. Bad news. They might not have enough players to play against Atlanta on Sunday while the Warriors are botching the Draymond Green punch aftermath. Baseball playoffs. The three game format works for me. And how do the Giants get here? The NFL in two minutes. The Eagles stay undefeated and everything else you need to know on what happened Sunday and Sunday night. And one for the road. This was definitely a top five sports weekend ever. Let's go. Happy Monday, as I said, episode 19, October 10th, 2022. Happy Monday, as happy as it can be for you. Lots to get to today. Unleashed, remember, with me, John Lund, drops daily. We're talking Bay Area sports talk and other stuff. Please listen, which you are doing, and I appreciate greatly. Subscribe, tell your friends. You can get the podcast anywhere, Apple, Spotify, all your favorite places to get podcasts. You can listen to me during my day job, KNBR Radio, knbr.com, the big blowtorch in the Bay Area from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. I'd appreciate that. YouTube channel's coming, I promise, keep saying that. Uh, interact with the show, whether you love it, whether you hate it, improvements, attaboys, whatever you want to do, say. I'd love it. Give me your thoughts. At John Lund Radio on Twitter, you can uh, interact any old time, and it doesn't just have to be the Tuesday mailbag, so anytime you want to do it, you can interact at John Lund Radio. Between the Niners, the great uh, baseball weekend that happened, all the things that went on, college football, a ton of stuff. Shout out to my wife, who has to endure all of those things. We have a ton to get to, and let's get to it. The 49ers today, of course, it's a Monday, and they won in the leadoff spot. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all
1: of
2: you to stop what you're doing and listen.
0: To the other team, Mosley. Down the sideline, Mosley cuts it inside. All the way. Touchdown, San Francisco.
2: It was, a little, it was a weird feeling just watching E-Man. You know, lots of guys got hurt in the game, but it just it didn't look good. So um, that definitely took away from a little bit of excitement at the end. But um, okay, we know the deal. I mean, it's part of this league, and um, everybody goes through it. Um, and that was a tough one today. So um, I love I love. How we get to go to the Greenbrier. I love how our guys get to stay together. Um, it's a lot easier to focus when we do that, and hopefully, we'll get some better news on some of these guys. He could. It's a lot to ask from him. Um, just the injuries coming back. Um, you know, we only got really one full-speed practice last week that he could really test it on. It was a little easier for Jimmy, um, just having training camp and stuff like that. Um, so we'll see how these three practices go this week. We'd love to have that option, but um, it won't change it based off of what happened to him We just got to see if he's ready. Um, yeah, yeah. Any, any of them.
0: All right, people hate it when you focus on injuries after a win because you want to be euphoric, you want to feel good, but today was a really bad injury day, so here's what I'll do. For those who want to hear about the game, the defensive line, without Nick Bosa injury, which I'll get into in a second, had six sacks. That's 13 in two weeks. Jeff Wilson Jr. rushed for 120 yards, and the line did not have Trent Williams. They're starting to come around. Jimmy was sacked a few times, but overall, the 49ers scored 30 points. They came into the game averaging 17.8. That is good, and they're up over to 24.6 points per game. Good. Tevin Coleman, welcome back. Not only did he have a nine-yard screen pass touchdown that opened the scoring for the 49ers, but a great 30-yard catch down the sideline, which is a jump ball on a zero blitz, which is everybody's coming. Jimmy just threw it up. Tevin Coleman caught it. Way to go. Jimmy Garoppolo looked more comfortable. He didn't throw in the preseason. You know that. He didn't even have a playbook. And Jimmy looked more comfortable. Now, can I get to the injuries? Because I'm dying to get to the injuries. Kyle Shanahan, you just heard there talked about the injuries and the defensive backs. I played the audio from the Emmanuel Mosley pick six. And Emmanuel Mosley, over the last couple of years, has been really solid at corner. But for some reason, and I don't know if it was Chevarius Ward on the other side, and him playing better because Ward was on the other side for some reason, he just had been. And so defensively, the 49ers didn't have any weaknesses coming into this game. He looked at the defensive line, and even without Eric Armstead and Javon Kinlaw... The only thing, really, they were down is depth. They just, they've played great. Kevin Givens has been really, really good. They've moved Menahue in there at times. Uh, Akeem Spence was a guy they they took off the practice squad. They were fine inside, and still, even without Aziz Alshire, the linebackers, Fred Warner's been darting through, and Dre Greenlaw putting up huge tackle numbers, and you're feeling great, and Jimmy Ward comes back, and I'll get to that injury in a second but it had really been the corners over the last couple of years that hadn't taken the next step. That The front seven's always been really good for the 49ers, but it was the corners that were making this defense from a good defense to an extremely great defense to a defense that could be the best 49ers defense of all time to a defense that could challenge for some of the best of all times. But as it's been for the last number of years, the 49ers have another injury. So you heard Kyle Shanahan there say that he felt bad for Emmanuel Mosley who got the pick six and is from Greensboro, North Carolina, and grew up a Panthers fan, so it was a special day for him, and he had tons of friends and family in the crowd, and at the end of the game, and it looked nasty, I thought it was maybe just a, another dreaded high ankle sprain, which the 49ers have had a few, but it turns out, and we'll find out for sure today, that Emmanuel Mosley has a torn ACL. And, again, I'm no doctor, and I don't even claim to be a doctor, but I do know this, having done this for many, many years, on the field, they can just feel for a looseness in the, in the knee, And they're at about 90% when they feel that of being a torn ACL. So the fear is that it's a torn ACL. So there's probably a 90% chance that it's a torn ACL for Emmanuel Mosley. Now, what that does, and I'm not trying to focus on the injuries, but this is the biggest one to me, is that you heard him talk about on a question from, I believe, Matt Barrows from The Athletic, where he was asked about Jason Verrett because they have so much depth on this defense that people have been able to step up pretty much this entire time. Deshaun Gibson has stepped in for who I think is their best defensive back, Jimmy Ward. I'll get to his injury in a second, as I said now, twice. Uh, But Emmanuel Mosey is a guy that is going to be really tough to replace. So you put Diamandor Lenore out there, who's been really effective in the slot. You don't really want to move him out there. Uh, Samuel Womack was the star of the preseason, but you see that all the time in the preseason. And he's a rookie, and he's got to make a jump from Toledo to the NFL and – He's going to get targeted, and there's a lot of good quarterbacks coming up. After you have Atlanta on the road, it's our friend Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford again and on and on and on and Justin Herbert. So if you've got a rookie out there, it's it's going to be like, oh, really, that guy. And you couldn't do that with Emmanuel Mosley. Or, as you heard Barrows asked, could it be Jason Verrett, who was a top corner when healthy, but he's just not healthy very much, and he tore his ACL in Week One in 2021 against the Lions, so what is that? 21 games ago, and over a year ago. And you think after a couple of practices, you heard Kyle say, "I think he's had what one or two full speed practices that he's going to come in and just hey, I'm I'm the starting corner and everything's going to be fine." And Jimmy Garofalo didn't have an off season, and it's taken him I think until this game he played fairly well, and I think he's going to play well the you know a lot of the season or play like Jimmy, I should say. If you don't like Jimmy, that's fine but he's going to play Jimmy football the rest of the season. And he wasn't out nearly as long as what Jason Verrett is. So I think it's going to be a while on Jason Verrett. So the timing is not great. And now for the first time this year, the 49ers defense has a weakness, which is one of the corners. So I don't want to sit here and focus on injuries when the Warriors have a good day at the office. And now they're three and two. I'll go through two minutes in the NFL in a, in a little bit in the podcast I will just tease you to this if you haven't gotten to your phone today that all the teams in the NFC West lost. So after the Denver loss and the 49ers sat there at 1-2 and two and you're going, oh my gosh, this thing's going to go horribly wrong. It's a long season. It's 17 games. It's a long season. The Rams got beat by Dallas. Seattle's defense looked horrible again in a loss to the Saints. And the Cardinals lost to the undefeated Eagles, although the black uniforms were pretty flashy, I will say. The Cardinals went all black today, black helmets but that doesn't get you a win. So the 49ers sit at three and two. The rest of the division sits at two and three, so you should be happy. But Emmanuel Mosley, that injury is the worst. Nick Bosa with some groin tightness, groinal region tightness. I think that if it had been a playoff game that he plays, but it's early on in the season, he's the best pass rusher in the league, and you don't want to lose Nick Bosa. Now, you lose Nick Bosa and you lose Emmanuel Mosley, you know this, the pass rush and... The corners, they're tied together because if the the pass rush gets to the quarterback, he doesn't have as much time to survey. That's been a problem in the past. So you lose Bosa, you lose Mosley, you're in trouble. I think it was just precautionary, so I'm not as worried there. Jimmy Ward, who just came back from a muscle injury, four weeks he was on the uh, injured list. He just came back. They were using him in some nickel situations. They were kind of moving him around because they have so much depth in the secondary, they thought, we can kind of make him that star-type player. And he's played corner, he's played safety in his career, he's played in the slot, so you could kind of play him all over the place. He's a good hitter, he's instinctual, he's smart, he breaks his hand. So it looks like he's going to have to go back on the injured list, and I don't know that we're going to see Jimmy Ward the rest of the season. And then Robbie Gold, and especially at his age, you just shouldn't be doing this, kick off, go out of bounds. Kick off, run out of bounds. He doesn't, he gets a knee contusion, who knows how long Robbie Gold is out. Now, again, you could be saying to yourself, Uh, How how important's a kicker? Robbie Gold's very important. He shot Justin Tucker on the Sunday night game. He's automatic. Robbie Gold kicked you past the Packers in ice cold weather last year. You don't think about kickers until they miss kicks. And this season, a lot of uh, kickers have missed kicks. So it might be a couple of weeks where Robbie Gold misses some games. Now, again, the 49ers are going to be cautious about this, especially for an older player. I don't know how, how bad the knee contusion is. But injuries have been happening all season long, and again, we're talking about them. So the worst one, Emmanuel Mosley, possible torn ACL. Jimmy Ward, broken hand. Nick Bosa, groin tightness. Robbie Gold, knee contusion. You look at this team defensively in the injuries, three of the four starting defensive linemen right now are injured. Bosa, Armstead, Kinlaw. Samson Ebokom is the only starter left. Linebacker, next level. Aziz Alshire, he's out for a while. Defensive backs, Jimmy Ward, Emmanuel Mosley, two guys, out for a while. So defensively, the the job that they're doing is beyond amazing, but how much longer can it hold up? And then offensively, Trent Williams, Trey Lance, Elijah Mitchell. So your left tackle, your quarterback, and your best running back. It's amazing how far they've gone. And you can say, because this is an old adage in sports, and sometimes it's true and sometimes it's not, next man up, next man up. Look, there's a reason why. These guys are getting paid the way they are. There's a reason why certain guys are starters and other guys aren't. We're looking at – let me do quick math here. Hold the cover there. We're looking at about 10, 12 players, and these are some of your top guys. And that's what the NFL is. It's the difference between this sport and the other sports. You're going to get injured. It's just a matter of how much are your hopes dashed? How much is your team compromised? Based on the players that get injured, how long they're injured, at what point of the season they get injured. Some of these guys are going to come back. But Jimmy Ward, for example, you're feeling good. Okay, we're going to get some guys back in the secondary. We are so deep back there. Boom, broken hand in the, in the uh, first half. Emmanuel Mosley. We don't have any weaknesses defensively. Oop, you're, you're, you're weak at corner now, and you're probably going to either have to throw a rookie out there or a second-year guy out there. Trent Williams. How many weeks is he going to be out? Now, the offensive line, i got to give it credit today. They weren't horrible. But Trent Williams, you're going to miss him. That's just the way it is. And Elijah Mitchell's your top running back. Give Jeff Wilson a ton of uh, credit. 120 yards today, ran hard, ran like you want a 49ers running back to run north and south. But you got to get Elijah Mitchell back, I think, because he's got more of a a home run hitter mentality. I love Elijah Mitchell. I would love them to be the one-two punch because the way that Jeff Wilson's having to run, and this is just Kyle Shanahan running backs, he's going to get hurt at some point. As far as the schedule is concerned, dealing with his injuries, Falcons this weekend, no problem. They're fine. Uh, the Chiefs after that, problem, especially at corner. The, at the Rams after that, problem, especially at corner with Stafford. Chargers at home, problem. Justin Herbert. Cardinals, they don't look great right now, but, he, but Kyler Murray always gives the 49ers trouble. Saints after that, Dolphins after that, and then Bucks. Brady at Seattle, you can laugh. Their defense is horrid. But Geno Smith had another good game today for Seattle. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. If you go up there, they get their defense fixed. That could be an issue. Commanders at Raiders, and then Kyler again. So I'm not, I don't want to go too far into the into the schedule, even though I just went entirely through it. I guess so. I just contradicted myself. My point in saying all those things is that they've got to get healthy at some point. And right now, if you lose Mosley, if you lose Bosa for any time, you've already lost Trent Williams. You're losing some of your top players. Your season is going to be compromised. I don't want to make it all about the injuries, but this one to Emmanuel Mosley and anything beyond what we're thinking right now, which is precautionary with Bosa, can alter the season. Next. The bottom of the sixth inning is about to begin. You see Buck Walter talking with the umpires. What was
2: going through your mind? Yeah, I mean, I figured he was, I've seen him do it before, checking the pitcher. Um, I mean, I get it, dude. They're on their last leg. They're desperate. They're going everything they can to get me out of the game at that point. Um, I mean, it is what it is, so. Saw so you gesture toward their dugout. How were you feeling during that time? Yeah, I mean, it, it motivated me a little bit, man. It fired me up. I had been throwing the ball well all night, and they were doing everything they could to get me out of there. So, you know, opportunity to stick it to them a little bit and stick it to the crowd. I took it, and then I had to get back to work.
0: I don't know your thought on the baseball playoffs at John Lund Radio. I would like to know what you thought. And I'll get into the entire weekend and one for the road today, but I would call the three-game series awesome. The single game feels like a little short, even though you're trying to create a seven game, a seventh game in the playoffs right away. I totally understand that. But you play 162, and then you get one game, and you're done. Three, I guess, it's a series. That's how many games you play in a series. By the way, it wasn't really relevant, the three-game series, because the Guardians, Phillies, and Mariners all swept. They won their two games. So if they had won their first game, it would have been the same thing. Three of the four road teams won series, including the Padres. And by the way, I should tell you that that was Joe Musgrove, and Joe Musgrove set a record. Well, the Padres did. He gave up one hit through seven innings, and then they had two other pitchers not give up a hit. So it's the least amount of hits that a team has given up in a winner-take-all series in Major League history, as the Padres knock out the Mets. And now the Padres. Now you become a Padres fan. <laughs> Because they take on the Dodgers next. And the issue with the Dodgers could be starting pitching. They can hit. Their the relievers, their bullpen are, are, are better than they've been, I think, in a while. But when you have Hugh Darvish the way he can throw it, Blake Snell, who had a high pitch count in game number two and lost, and then the way Joe Musgrove pitched in game number three, that is going to be a great series. Some of the takeaways from the three-game series over the weekend, and now we move on the return of the starting pitcher. And here's what I normally do. I'll watch the playoffs in every single sport, and I'll determine what the hometown team needs to do. So for the Giants, Farhan Zaidi, the president of baseball operations, I've played lots of cuts and thoughts and given you lots of thoughts on him. He may have forgotten about the starting pitching and the dominant starting pitching, but once you get to the playoffs, that's what you've got to have. Joe Musgrove, one hit through seven innings. As I told you, the least uh, hits in a deciding game in history. Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola were great for Philly. They knocked out the Cardinals. Luis Castillo dominated for the Mariners in game number one, who, by the way, came back Seattle in game two, down seven runs. It was amazing. The Guardians gave up one run in 24 innings. They needed a 15th inning home run in game two for a walk-off. But the starting pitching all weekend long was amazing. So the return of starting pitching and now... You know, Farhan and the Giants can do openers all they want, and that may work during the during the regular season. And they may think, oh, five years for Carlos Rodon, that's too much. But you've got to have starting pitching. I've always disagreed with Billy Bean when he says, well, you know, you can control what you can control through 162 games, and I guess the computer whatever, that's what he's talking about. And then in a short series, the computer haywires because there's not enough data to go on. So in a three-game series, well, this is what should happen. But it always doesn't work like that which is why Bruce Bochy was so good and these old school managers are so good and I feel great for Bob Melvin because you got to go sometimes with, with gut, with feel, and that's the way that it works because there's not 162 games to stick in your computer and you think to yourself, well, over the length of time, and this is what analytics are, over the length of time, these numbers will come through. They won't come through always in a one game or a three game or a five game or a seven game. That's not how it works. So the starting pitching came back in at least the first round. Uh, by the way, I was watching that game. I just, as an aside, I'm watching that Mets Padres game, and I'm not a fan of the Mets. I'm only a fan of the Padres because I like Bob Melvin so much. so I wanted the Padres doing that series. But have you ever gone to a game, and it's worse in the playoffs because I've gone to these playoff games like this, and you want to cheer for your team, and they just give you nothing. I mean, that's I'm watching the Mets crowd. And I'm thinking they got one hit. They're in a they're in a winner take all game. They they're they're like, come on. I've been to playoff games like that in every sport, really, and you're sitting on your hands because there's nothing. I've been to a deciding game in Detroit, and uh, for the Red Wings, and you're you're you know, and there's not very many goals anyway, and you're cheering for like a hit in the corner. You just anything that you could do, you know, a base hit by your team. Oh, great defensive! Like you, you, a crowd can't get into anything if a team's not doing anything. I mean, you can have a hard hit in football. You can, you know, crack a single, make a good defensive play in baseball, hard hit in the corner in a hockey playoff game. But if your team – I think that might be bad luck for the hometown teams. But if you – if nothing happens, you're sitting on your hands all the time. And that's what Mets fans are doing. And I kind of felt bad for them, even though I'm not a Mets fan. No, I'm not a a Mets fan at all. But I was telling you at the beginning here that I kind of look at the team, the hometown team, and say, okay, how can they get in that position? So, first of all, starting pitching. Uh, Don't overlook that, Farhan. And then if you look at the Padres, and I'm, they're only on my mind because I just watched them on Sunday night, and I was I was scribbling down notes the whole time. And Farhan was talking about the farm system of the, of the Giants and for them to sustain long-term success, it's got to be through the farm system. But if you look at the Giants right now, they have a bunch of old guys, Evan Longoria, Brandon Crawford. By the way, all these guys are younger than me, and I'm calling them old guys, but by baseball terms, they're old guys. Uh, Brandon Belt, those type of guys. So they have that covered. They have the old guy covered. Young guys, they got that. He's always talking about the young guys and, you know, Casey Schmidt and Kyle Harrison, and he he mentioned those guys by name. Marco Luciano's a guy that you always bring up. Luis Matos, those are all young guys that are coming. Where's the guys in the, in the prime of their career? Where's the 25 to 30-year-old guy? That's the charge that Farhan has. But he was talking so much about the system, the system, the system, and if you missed his end-of-the-year press conference, so I'll play it later this week. And comment off of it. But I'm just thinking about the Padres. Fernando Tatis Jr., who's out, but probably their best player when he's when he's back. He came in a trade. Manny Machado was a free agent. Soto came in a trade. Musgrave, the star on Sunday, came in a trade. Blake Snell came in a trade. You Darvish came in a trade. Josh Bell this year came in a trade. Josh Hader closed out the game. Came in a trade. Jerks and Profar from the A's came in a trade. Jake Cronenworth came in a trade with a rays. So you can use your farm system to make those trades, which the Padres did. Uh, you can sign free agents and, and throw a bunch of money out there, which they did for Manny Machado. My point in saying all this is that everyone wants to talk about, you know, you got to do it through the farm, you got to do it through the farm, and the Dodgers have done it through the farm. And and there's there's some teams that have, I and mean, the Indians have a bunch of guys from their farm system both pitching and hitting, or I should say the Guardians, sorry, politically incorrect, Guardians. So there are teams that have done it, but you've got to combo everything up, and it's got to be what works for you. And as I was thinking about the Padres, I was thinking to myself, they've got to buy themselves out of this hole, do the Giants. Their farm system players aren't ready, and their old guys are too old to really contribute on a regular basis anymore. Brandon Crawford, Evan Longoria, Brandon Bell, if they even come back, and Crawford is under contract, I don't know that Longoria will, or they want him, at least for those kind of games. But those guys aren't playing 130 games anymore. Their primes are way behind them. Good, It was great for Brandon Crawford in 2021. And when Longoria can play, he can be effective. But there's an art to playing 150 games. You've got to be a young guy. And those guys aren't. So next year, the, I'd count on those guys for about 100 games. And your young guys are too young. So what are you going to do? You've got to look at the Padres and say, okay, we've got to be smart with trades. We've got to be smart with free agents. We've got to use our farm system to get players ready now. And we've got to balance this thing out. Because you've got old guys and young guys. You've got nobody 25 to 30 years old. You got Logan Webb. He's in the prime of his career. You have nobody, Jim Harbaugh, nobody that's in the prime of their career as far as hitting is concerned, and that is concerning. Anyway, loved the baseball playoffs was the point, and in watching these teams play, the Giants need a lot of help. Next.
1: Yeah, I expect to play. Now, will I play? That's a totally different story, Um, and that's something that we will continue to figure out. Um, as we move forward and just feel through what's right. Like I said before, there's no right or wrong answer. You know, um, the right answer is, hey, man, you'll be away from the team going through the regular season. The right answer is you'll be away from the team for another day or two or three or not. You know, um, there is no right answer, Uh, you know, Quite frankly, I don't think there's a wrong answer either. Um, But what the answer is, what the answer is, is to fill our way through this. Um, That's what this ultimately boils down to. And so, uh, do I expect to play? I hope to play, you know. Um, Real day, as far as games go and things counting, that matters on our mission and goal to repeat. So, yeah, I hope to. And And... Yes, I do expect to, but in saying that, that's not something that's been decided. That's not something that's certain. That's something that we'll continue to work through over the days to come. And
0: That, of course, is Draymond Green, and on Saturday, he was answering questions at a press conference instead of returning to the team as he was originally supposed to do because the video came out of him viciously punching Jordan Poole, and look, I've said this. I'm not Teddy Atlas. I'm not a boxing expert but I, I think that's a pretty vicious punch I would call it that I'm not doing it for sensationalistic purposes I think that's a pretty vicious punch and so they the Warriors kept him away from the team a little bit longer because the news cycle moves fast maybe something will do somebody will do something more stupid maybe the Nets will continue to do something stupid maybe Kyrie will talk about flat earth I don't know this is by ourselves a little bit to, a little bit of time so he'll have a press conference uh, we'll talk about who leaked this tape and we're really going to get him and then you stay away, and we'll we'll see what could happen, and then we'll by and then it'll be opening day, and, and then we're going to say we're only going to talk about basketball. I mean, it, it, I'm no PR person, but it sounds like that is the direction that the Warriors are going to go and try to divert this thing to, hey, whoever leaked this thing, that's the real person that's in trouble here. Well, that person was probably low on the pecking order, took fifty or or $100,000. It's not going to be really hard to figure out. And they're going to find that person, but back to Draymond Green. And the thing that concerns me as this continues to to progress, that concerns me that I'm intrigued by, is what is going to be the punishment here. And if the goal is, and I think it is, if the goal is to make it so that Draymond Green doesn't do this again, what are they going to do? Well, what they've started to do is let's keep him away from the team. Let's not have him play preseason games. Well, I think Draymond Green's cool with that because Draymond Green, a lot of the times, doesn't want to play in the regular season Wake him up Play at playoff time. That's when he gets into shape. That's when he feels like playing. That's when he's at his best. So taking Draymond Green away from preseason games is not going to motivate him to not act like this. What else you got? Well, we could find him. All right. Well, this is a guy that has already signed $100 million contracts, an $82 million contract, has endorsement deals, works for TNT. I don't know what he has in his bank. I'm not his agent, I'm not his banker, I'm not his financial person, but at least I don't know one hundred million dollars. I think that's safe, so you're gonna find him five or ten million bucks. that's not gonna hurt that's not gonna that's not gonna motivate him not to do it again and not act like an idiot. What else you got? you out of ideas, you think this is just gonna get swept under the rug and people are gonna forget about it now a lot of people let me stop for just a second and say. If you think I'm going overboard on this, that's fine. I've been doing this a long time. And you don't just punch somebody in the face. There's no explanation. Some people think it's money. Some people think he's popping off. Steph Curry, Steve Kerr, Bob Myers have come out and said that Jordan Poole has been a, a, a perfect teammate, so it's not that. And I really don't care what the explanation is. Uh, some people, oh, well, Jordan pushed him. Well, he was right in his face. What was he going to do? You can't punch a teammate like that. So I, I, I do think this will rear its head at some point. We have seen Kevin Durant leave the organization because he just didn't like being treated the way that Draymond Green treated him. And you may say that Jordan Poole doesn't have the the type of panache that a Kevin Durant has, and and Kevin Durant's been around a long time, and you're right. But Jordan Poole is in some way, shape, or form the future of the organization. He is going to get his money. They do want him around. I don't think they're going to have to force – you know, they're going to have to choose between these guys, but I do find it peculiar – that they haven't been on planes, trains, and automobiles and together for eight or nine months. This is before the season started. They haven't even been around very much. So it's peculiar. But what you're trying to accomplish as an organization is to say, we don't want Draymond to lose that fire. He's a big reason why we've won championships, but we can't have this. So one part of it is, how do you punish Draymond Green to the extent that he won't do this anymore, knowing that money's not going to do it, missing preseason games sure as hell is not going to do it, not being around his teammates really isn't going to do it. You're doing him a favor. The number one thing you can do, and we all know what it is, and I don't know why this is being avoided, but remember, there are. before I tell you what it is, and you already know what it is, what I'm going to tell you and explain it, is it, it, it's difficult. It is like family. Because on one side, you have Draymond Green, who you don't want to alienate. And if you do alienate him, he can explode and make this into a far worse situation. And you have Jordan Poole, who's one of your future superstars at 23 years old, who you certainly don't want to upset. And his agent is watching this and going, Hey, what are you gonna do about this? You gonna let my guy get punched in the face without doing anything? And you look over to Draymond and you say, Oh, we gotta protect this guy, we gotta protect that guy. How do we do this? Well, what you have to do as an organization, and I haven't heard the suggestion, but you know what it is, and I know what it is. It's regular season games. Now look, if they hadn't won a championship, if it wasn't ring night, it wouldn't matter. Draymond Green's not playing opening night against the Lakers. I think Draymond Green's probably going to play in 60 or 50 games as it is anyway. He's going to rest. You want him for the playoffs. It wouldn't be that big of a deal to not have him play an opening night. But it would be a slap in his face because he wants to go out and get his ring and he wants to be around his teammates and he wants to hear the adulation that he's earned from the crowd and he wants to run back into a podcast and show off his ring and do all the things that Draymond Green does. But he lost that. The minute he decided in that moment that he had to punch Jordan Poole in the face, And, yep, the video absolutely is damaging because it was a vicious punch. The minute he did that, he lost his right to play an opening night against the Lakers, and they have no choice as an organization and a great organization at that than to make a really tough decision and suspend Draymond Green for ring night because that's something he really, really wants. And you have to send a message to Draymond Green, you're a leader on this team. Guys look up to you. We have a bunch of young players. Oh, he he punched him in the face, but we were getting rings, so he played. You give them the ring. You say, thank you very much. But you can't be out there on ring night, man. You lost your right. You can't punch your teammate. You can't punch. Not only can you not punch your teammate, you can't punch a teammate who's a guy we're going to give a bunch of money to, and you're a leader on this team. I'm sorry, but this is, this is opening night. We have to suspend you for a night, and you have lost your right to play on that night. It's awkward. It's weird. The other thing I would say about the organization is get them around the team now. The awkwardness, you don't want the awkwardness to go into the season. Having him home, having him not around the team, having him not play in preseason games, I don't understand that. In fact, if I was going to play, if me personally, if I was going to play him in a preseason game, I'd play him in a preseason game where he had to play with the guys who weren't going to make the team. Like, you're not, no, 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 starters, what are you doing? No, you're going out with the guys, you know, nobody wants to play in the fourth quarter. That's part of your punishment. You can play in the fourth quarter. You're going to play in the fourth quarter. You're going to play with guys who are not going to make the team. Everybody else is laughing it up and sitting in sweats and, and having a, you know, so having some water and relaxing. You'll be playing at that point too. And then we'll give you a ring. You earned a ring. There's no question about it. You are a major part of why we won that ring, but you can't be out there on opening night. That was, that's the Laker game. That's opening night. We're not going to wait until we play. I'm not looking at the schedule, but you know, Denver on a Thursday night doesn't hold the same gravitas that playing against the Lakers holds. Playing against the Lakers, opening night, everybody gets rings we're really happy that you got us help us get that ring. You can't punch a teammate. That's the most damaging thing you can do to him right now. So let's bring this back to family as a parent. What do you do? You find out what is most important to your child. And you say, we're taking this away from you right now. This is the equivalent of taking a phone away from a teenager for a week. Not my phone, anything, but my phone. That's what Draymond Green's thinking right now. Anything, but opening night in my ring, I've got to play Now, Are you risking something? Absolutely. He could snap on you. He could go crazy. But what you're hoping is, by this punishment, because there is nothing even close to the equivalent of this, of not having him out with his teammates, not getting his ring with his teammates, not playing an opening night on TNT where he works and having him away from the team, have him with the team now. Get the awkwardness out. Have him play with the guys who aren't going to play, who aren't going to make the team. He should be on there. You should be working this out. He should be around. That's That's not the play. The play is you can't play on opening night. You lost your right to play on opening night. You deserve the ring. Here's the ring. But you're not going to be there on opening night. You can't punch a guy in the face on this team. There's a bunch of young players who are influential on this team. Can't do that. You're a leader. You're a mentor. You can't go around punching guys in the face. This is a big deal. And the big deal is not the leak, although that's not great. And the big deal is not why. The big deal is you have to take away something, and this is how you punish people. You take away something that is important to them and that, so that they can learn a lesson via this. And even at Draymond Green's age, and he's young, by standards of a person, we, we sit here all the time and go, ah, these old guys. Yeah, the old guys on the Giants are younger than me. You mean Draymond Green, the seasoned veteran who is 20 years younger than me or 15 years younger than me, he has a lot to learn in life. Smart guy, great basketball player. Can't be there on opening night. Give me your thoughts. I don't see any other way you can punish the guy. (laughs) Preseason games, a fine, none of those things. Being away from the team. What's he going to learn from that? He's He's done a lot of great things. He's done a lot of dumb things. And it's time for him to stop doing dumb things. How do you get someone to stop doing dumb things? You throw down the proper punishment. And the proper punishment is no ring ceremony, no opening night against the Lakers, Here's your ring. Let's move on. Mature, grow up, and stop punching teammates. It's time for the NFL in two minutes. Or more. 6 a.m. start Pacific in London. The Giants jumped to a surprising 4-1 start. The Packers led 20-10 at the half. They were outscored 17-2 in the second half, and the 2 was a gift by the Giants at the end, stepping out of the end zone on purpose for a safety and here's the big blue, the g man. Here's the final stop. There's a signal right there, that shoulder tap. You ready for Lazard. Ball batted again. Incomplete. The Giants hold the Packers out of the end zone. 1-0-2 to go. They get their first fourth down stop of the season. Maybe the magic was in Aaron Rodgers' hair at 27-22. The G-Men get the victory in london over aaron Rodgers and the packers josh allen 348 yards in a normal time this was a 10 a.m specific start josh allen 348 yards and four touchdowns in the first half as the bills stop the steelers and kenny pickett's first career start 31-3 first drive third down own two yard line now it's 3rd and 10, going into the wind, way down the field. Oh my goodness! This is going to be 98 yards to Gabe Davis! A 98-yard explosion! Josh Allen to Gabe Davis. What an incredible read and what a route by Davis. We had the Robert Sala Jets, former defensive coordinator of the 49ers, Versus Mike McDaniel, offensive coordinator, former offensive coordinator of the 49ers, head coach of the Dolphins, Sala, the D.C., beats McDaniel, the O.C. And to be fair, Miami was down to their third-string quarterback, Skylar Thompson, 40-17, Jets. NFC West, everybody lost except for the 49ers. Seattle at New Orleans, Taysom Hill is going to keep it, Pete. No, seriously, 8 for 112, including this 60-yarder. And that means they're going to run it with Hill.
2: This is what every time,
0: and now he's gone. It's a foot race, but the speed of Lillard. Will he get there? No! Touchdown! A 60-yard scamper for Taysom Hill. 39-32, Seattle goes down at New Orleans. It was a back and forth, but Seattle's got the worst defense in all of the NFL the Cardinals in the desert not the same team as they've been in the past they go with the black uniforms black helmets I liked it but the Cardinals missed a field goal to tie at the end Jalen Hurts two TD sneaks and the Eagles stay undefeated that head is Jalen Hurts and that's an Eagles touchdown he's two for two As I said, Jalen Hurts, two TD sneaks in the 2017 win. The Eagles, the only undefeated team at 5 0, but they look far from dominant. And that is good news for the 49ers in the NFC. And the Rams, two weeks in a row, the line can't keep Matt Stafford up for long enough. Cooper Cup did have a 75 yard touchdown, but too much. Micah Parsons in the Rams' house. Stafford, more pressure. Parsons, sack, fumble, it's loose. The fifth sack of the day for Dallas, and they've got it. Uh, that was Rams' house, and we all know how that goes because basically it was Levi's South last year. Those are all the Cowboy fans. That was a home game for the Rams. Sure didn't sound like it. So the Rams lose, Cardinals lose, Seattle lose. They're all 2-3, and three, and the 49ers are 3-2. and two. And finally, the Sunday nighter. talking about the Rams having a Super Bowl hangover. The Bengals with a Super Bowl hangover. They fall to 2-3. and three. Justin Tucker wins it at the gun for the Ravens. He is a robot. Nick Moore snaps it. Jordan Stout holds it. Justin Tucker wins it for Baltimore. One more game on Monday night. Next week's, well, I was going to say next week, two weeks from now, the opponent of the Kansas City Chiefs, Chiefs and Raiders on Monday night, and that will conclude the week five slate, and that will conclude the NFL in two minutes. It's time for one for the road. I don't know about you, we, we've had this conversation a ton of times on sports radio, which is what is the best sports weekend of them all, and, and, and I'm bad at this game because it's always the one that is the most recent, I have recency bias, but Friday night you had Major League Baseball playoffs, and I watched them all as my wife looked along and said, aren't we going to do anything tonight? And I said, well, there's playoffs on, and then I said, wait a minute, and then she went to sleep and I watched a bunch of playoffs. Saturday morning you had college game day, which is a regular for me as I'm breaking out the coffee. Then college football, watched a bunch of different games from A&M and Bama being a little bit closer than you thought. Uh, Tennessee is back. They blew out LSU. Utah lost to undefeated UCLA. Washington State hung with USC, but offensively, USC is back. I don't know about the defense, uh, if it'll be good enough uh, to make a playoff run. Ohio State looked legit in blowing out Michigan State and Harbaugh's boys. At Michigan rolled Indiana, so I watched a ton of stuff. In between, I watched more baseball playoffs. I watched the Mariners come back from seven down. I watched Yadier Molina, his last at bat in St. Louis. Maybe Albert Pujols last at bat in St. Louis as well as the Phillies swept them. Uh, 2 nothing in that series in St. Louis. Standing ovation for both guys. Uh, Yadi the game could have actually ended, but he got a hit. Then he got pinch run for, came out, and then they show him in the dugout after the Phillies had closed the thing out. I got up at 6 a.m. on Sunday morning because I had pre- and post-game and halftime for the 49ers. I wanted to watch Giants and Packers, and the Giants came back, as I detailed a little bit earlier. I did the pregame show with the 49ers, had like three TVs and a couple of iPads going, so I watched the morning games, then I watched the 49ers with an eye on the Cowboys and the Rams and the Cardinals and the Eagles, and then after the post game show and I was kind of eye on that and and of course doing the post game watched the Padres eliminate the Mets and then Justin Tucker kicked the Ravens over the Bengals at the Horn so college football so here's how it went playoffs college football playoffs playoffs college football playoffs college football college football college football 6 a.m. NFL on Sunday <laughs> 49ers pre-half and post-game. I'll keep an eye on all those games. Eye on afternoon games with the uh, Rams and Cardinals losing in the afternoon and the Seahawks losing in the morning because I'm always looking at the NFC West. And then I watched the Padres eliminate the, the uh, Mets, and then I watched Justin Tucker kick the Ravens to victory. That was the weekend. Now, maybe next weekend when the playoffs in baseball will be a little bit more Elevated because you know you're getting the Yankees involved and the Dodgers involved and all those kind of things. So maybe next weekend, you know, I have the college football slate and the in the NFL still, and so maybe they get elevated to a certain level because certainly the LA and New York teams are playing. So next weekend, I'll say the same thing. But with baseball playoffs being intertwined with college football, being intertwined with the NFL, and the NFL playing from 6 a.m. in London to the Sunday night football game and the Niners in between, I'll just say this maybe I won't call it the best. Maybe I'll call it like a top fiver of all time, but that was a hell of a sports weekend. And I got to give out a shout out to my wife because she didn't complain all weekend long. No, she didn't. She didn't complain all weekend long. And I, and to be honest, I don't know how you do it because my excuse is always, well, I've got to do this for, I do this for a living. I do this for a living. I do this for a living. Now she knows because the Bay area is not a huge college football town. And I'm not, I did peek in on Stanford and Oregon state, Uh, I did peek in on some late back 12 games on Saturday night, but there's not a ton of college football. So she knows I could get away with not watching that, but I don't. And she knows that, you know, I got stuff to do in the NFL. So she understands all that stuff, but I got to give her a shout out because basically from Friday to the time I got off the show to right now doing the podcast, I have done nothing but watch sports. And sometimes I feel guilty about it. You ever have that kind of a remorse where, geez, I just put a dent in this couch I've been watching this stuff for three days. I did nothing with my life. I ate the wrong food. I drank the right, the wrong thing. And now it's Monday and I have to get back to work. I have none of that remorse. It was a beautiful sports weekend. Top five. Not going to call it best of all time. But certainly a top five sports weekend of all time. And that is your one for the road. And that is Unleashed, episode 19 for October 10th, 2022. It is a Monday. Uh, Do make sure that you listen what you're doing. Thank you. Subscribe where you get your favorite podcast, Apple, Spotify, all the rest. Interact with the show, good, bad, indifferent. Don't be indifferent. Scratch that. At John Lund Radio. My day job, KMBR 680 in the Bay Area, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. with the voice of the 49ers, Greg Papa, KMBR.com. You can stream us, all those fun things. Interact with the show at John Lund Radio. Make sure you do that. And we will be better on Tuesday. It's unleashed Barry Sports Talk, episode 19 on the Locked On Podcast Network.